Today, we are going to be finishing our series on conflict resolution. And I'm going to bring in a quality that is so essential all throughout the journey of resolving a conflict, and that is the superior quality of love. Hi, this is Eric Hurd, and my podcast is called Relationships by the Book. So why that title? Well, I lived 18 years of my life apart from God, apart from His Word. And my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships. And when I came to know Christ, it absolutely transformed me from the inside out. And I began to understand God's wisdom because I dug into His Word and I saw how much He had to say about relationships. I've been a pastor now for over 45 years. and. So this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I want to share with you. Good afternoon. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. You doing well? uh, You know what? I really am. Just had one of those uh, banner days. Those are ones where it just seems like everything falls into place. There's no real big obstacles. There's no interruptions. You actually accomplish something. It's just one of those days. God's gift is grace. Yeah, I probably should go out and play the lottery. Oh, there you go. Because you can't win if you don't play, Michael. I always say that. I um, I want to share something, and I want, I'd love to hear what your take is on this. Okay. You got it. I went up to Mammoth over the weekend with some buddies, and we we're you know the long drive. You get into these fun conversations, right? Oh, sure. So I was explaining to my brothers-in-law, uh, my sister's husband and his brother, uh, about how when my dad passed away, he had a brand new 911 Turbo Porsche in the garage. And um, I remember backing it out of the garage, really intimidated the first time I drove it. I actually cried. I felt bad for driving my dad's car. But after a few days of driving it, I got really comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, this sports car, you just get a confidence about getting around. So... I had plans to go up to LA one afternoon and I get on the freeway and I just remember seeing through the cars this path that otherwise I would have never seen before. But when you just when you learn to trust a car like that and you you know how much throttle it has, I was weaving through cars differently than I ever would in any other vehicle. And the reason I was talking about this is my buddies and I were talking about Elon Musk mm-hmm. and how his perspective of things must be, I thought, maybe something like that where he's in this vehicle that's moving so fast and has so much capacity to navigate differently than everyone else that he has a different lens on life. Mm. And, um, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, whatever, but, you know, the, the whole concept of having a different lens yeah. and... Um, how sometimes it just opens opportunities that you wouldn't other, otherwise see. We had this, it just opened this really cool conversation. And I just wanted to take you out, you know, catch you off guard and see what you had oh, to say about oh, that. Oh, no, 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 no. You didn't catch me off guard. Uh, <laughs> to use the golf metaphor, you teed up our conversation because it's exactly what you're saying. You know, the, the opportunity to weave through a conflict in a way that you have confidence because you know when you hit that throttle, it's all go. 
And so that's why most people don't resolve conflicts. They're sputtering along on the freeway and, you know, they get on the, on the off ramp. They don't know why. Then they have to get back on the freeway and then they're back off. <laughs> most people don't resolve conflict because they don't stay focused and they don't know the tools. When you have the tools, man, it's like being in that Porsche Carrera. And, you know, by the way, Michael, and you're telling me that story, there's this incredible envy that just rises up inside <laughs> of me. This, you're talking to a father-in-law that owned an AMC Gremlin. Yes. I had a 59 Rambler Nash. I had a Corvair station wagon. So when you start talking Porsche Carrera, it's really upsetting me. <laughs> well, so the keys to the Porsche are right here in this podcast. Yeah, Really? Yeah. So yeah. if we do this right, I get a Porsche Carrera? No, but people can navigate through relationship like they're driving a Porsche. Well, if they can, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> not that we can. No. You know, no. It's that old adage, uh, take my advice. I'm not using it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh, man, that was, that was corny. We're, we're getting corny. Okay. okay. So, so let's get this thing started, man. Okay. You, we have had a three week series on conflict resolution. Yeah. How would you say that, what have we learned that's taking us? Because we're going to talk about case studies today, right? No, I'm going to go a little different route because I want to do a little review, but then just as I was thinking through this week, I thought at every step, if love is the dominant theme man, there's no way you can't resolve the conflict. You know, we, we use the word love in such a haphazard way, but the Bible is like really specific about what love is. Okay. And, uh, and so I want to talk and do a little review. And if at every step I operate in love, it just makes it go that much smoother. And, uh, cause in, in first Corinthians, First Corinthians 13, probably the passage that is quoted more at weddings than anything else, or when when the Bible, when somebody says, I want to talk about love from the Bible, this is usually quoted. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So what I want to do, Michael, is I, we are going to hit some case studies, some, you know, some couples that I help resolve their conflict, but I want to do a review, but get our listeners to literally picture how love would change things. So, so you know, we talked about the first step in any conflict resolution is to create a safe environment. Well, if I'm a loving person, if I move at my partner in a loving way, that's going to be an absolute foundation. In other words, I'm going to do that. I would never yell in our conversation. I would never sit in a place where I have a dominant position. I would go into the conflict really hoping that this would be resolved for the person I'm resolving the conflict with. In other words, I'm doing it for them, mm-hmm. not for me. So it's a selfless act. So I create a safe environment where they're comfortable. They don't feel threatened. They know they're not going to be manipulated. This is why Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest, you know, uh, commandment of the 613? And he said, well, that's easy to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the greatest commandment because when you love, you don't lie. You don't manipulate. You're not argumentative. You're not condescending. You're not arrogant. It is a, it is the superior quality. 
And so in conflict resolution, I create a safe environment because I'm a loving person. I set an appointment. Either I set the appointment because I'm anxious to not have any any barrier between me and another person. Like I had to resolve a conflict this last week. I initiated. We got together. We had it resolved in about 10 minutes. It was nothing. But I I said after the conflict resolution, I said, isn't it great that there's nothing between me and you? Mm. I said, I'm so glad that we're, we're covered. So, so when I create a safe environment, I do it out of love. When I set an appointment or I accept an appointment, like if Debbie says, hey, we got to talk about something. I used to fear those words. Now I welcome it because if something is bothering her enough to want to get together, I'm all, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I love her. I don't operate in fear. I don't operate in hesitation. I step into it. Well, and you've obviously experienced the product you know, mm. the re- result of doing it is what it produces is so oh. beautiful and so fulfilling, right? That's it. And, and this is why I love to help other couples resolve conflict because so oftentimes it's, it, it's grinding their relationship. It's wasting their time. And so when you resolve the conflict, like I talked to a couple uh, a week ago, and it was so amazing because they had financial issues. We were able to get them on a budget. It was an agreed upon budget. And they said, it's a game changer for them. I mean, because they don't ever have to fear what their partner's spending. They have the agreement and, and they go, there's really no reason then to argue and, because they have healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, so whether it's creating a safe environment, making an appointment, but then that third thing before we go into the conflict resolution is to pray. Now, how would prayer be a loving thing? Because I love my God I'm asking him for wisdom. I'm asking him to help us to to you know to bridge that gap, and uh, and it's so it's a very loving thing to pray with somebody so that you can resolve the conflict. Oh, so you're saying actually pray with the person? Yeah. Not everyone's open to praying. Is that is, I, you see that that's true? Or oh, am I but, wrong there? No, 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 no. And you never force prayer. Like you know, oftentimes I'll say, "Hey, can I pray for you?" And uh, but like if I say, "Hey, Deb." Uh, would you like to pray together? And she might go, why don't you just pray? Because she may not be in that space where she feels comfortable or the person doesn't know you well enough or they feel uncomfortable praying, but somebody needs to pray because it's a spiritual uh, a, a spiritual issue and you want to go at it with spiritual wisdom. Cool. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. So then, you know, uh, uh, two weeks ago, we dealt with the whole area of, of uh, mirroring. And that in itself is a loving act. Because, you know, one of the things I remember saying, and it, it's just something I've experienced with all the couples I've worked with, is the number one uh, problem wives has, have with their husbands is their husbands don't listen. Oh, every wife says that. Okay. <laughs> but this thing of mirroring, remember what we said. So you explore the issue. Uh, like I, I had a couple and they had an issue where um, his parents uh, interfered with their lives called them too much, came over unannounced, all that. So what was the conflict? The conflict was, is that he didn't protect his wife from his parents. So um, because she was frustrated, she was the one that shared first. And man, she nailed it. She She had about four statements where she said, I feel dishonored because you let your parents run over me. Secondly, I feel unprotected 
you have let your parents say things to me that are wholly inappropriate. She said, uh, I feel uh, anxious because I don't know when your parents are going to show up. But by the time she shared what was, you know, what was the issue for her, he, he said it got emotional. I'm sure. And he realized his parents had controlled him most his life. Then he shared his feelings after mirroring back what she had said. And when, when he mirrored back, he, he asked her, do I understand you? And he was really emotional. And she goes, you nailed it. Wow. And, and so she could not walk away from that time saying, he didn't listen to me. He really did. And then he shared his feelings. By the time they got done, they were both almost, I mean, they were, they were crying. They weren't almost crying. They were crying. That's powerful. It is. And so when you're in a loving relationship, you really want to get to those feelings. You want to find out what it is that's blocking. And they definitely saw it. And now something needed to be done. So then they got to what we talked about last week was brainstorming. Man, the brainstorming just flowed. Like he said, hey, I'm not going to waste any time. Within a week, I'm going to talk to my parents. They are no longer going to come over unannounced. Secondly, they're not going to give unsolicited counsel. I will now protect you against my parents. If my, and he's just like, he's dumping all these things. Whereas before, he was doing nothing. He let it go. He didn't think it was that big a deal because he had experienced it most his life. But now finally he had empathy. See, this is where the love comes in. In mirroring and brainstorming, when you love a person, you want to solve it so that it's no longer a problem for them. And if they're doing the same, it absolutely works. Yeah, a true win-win. It, it really is. <laughs> and But again, I, I firmly believe, because I'll, I'll ask the question, well, let... let I'm going to be the interviewer here. So, Michael, conflict resolution. And now you and, you and Crystal don't fight enough, but you've been around enough fights and conflicts. So why do you suppose most people don't resolve conflicts? What's, what's some of the biggest reasons? Hmm. I, uh, I would imagine fear. Yeah, fear of what's going to happen. They've usually had experiences where they tried to resolve something and it went horribly south. Yeah, so there's a trigger there that causes them to be oh. fearful. Yeah. Maybe pride, you know, I don't want to admit, even though maybe they know they're wrong and they don't want to admit it, something like that. Yeah, the know. arrogance. So what oh. they'll do is they'll either they'll either just do what they want to do and add further conflict. They won't listen to their partner. They won't have the conversation. So yeah, arrogance will do it. You know, uh, fear. What else might keep people from resolving conflict? Um, good question. I mean, I what comes to mind is just not making ourselves available. Yeah. It's, again, the fear might drive that, but a lot of times people are conflict averse by nature. Maybe they, they've seen it done wrong, or maybe they've never seen it done. I think naivete is a big reason. People have never been coached by anybody. Their parents have never sat them down. Nobody's ever sat them down and showed them how to do it. But I believe too, because you hit, hit the thing of fear, I believe the enemy keeps us from doing it. Yep. That's the spiritual reality of it. Yeah, but but you know this is why, like Paul said to Timothy, as this young spiritual leader, he's 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 in this church at Ephesus, which was going to be a tough assignment, and he said, "Listen to me, Timothy. God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Think about that when it comes to conflict resolution. I've got power when I know how to do it. 
love, I want to do it because I don't want to be estranged from anybody. And a sound mind is, I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, is we that... talked about those three pillars before. That's oh, Those really are a great guide. Yeah. So so then, you know, again, in a, in a case study way, and I, I've dealt with so many couples over, you can only imagine the kind of issues. Like I had a couple that literally, the, the wife had called off their, their wedding because her husband insisted on a prenup. And, and she just thought he didn't trust her. And what was really interesting, Michael, when we did the mirroring, I watched in front of me her heart soften as her husband talked about, you know, um, I would never want my kids to, to second guess you. I would never want my kids to feel like I would never come through for them financially. I made, honey, financial commitments to my kids. And he's got tears going down because I'm helping them to resolve it. And he goes, I would never want them to think I wasn't going to come through. So the only reason I want the prenup is so that they know that I am following through on my word to them. Wow. I can't imagine oh. coaching anybody through that. That is high intensity. And, she, and Okay. When we got to the brainstorming, her first offering of brainstorming she goes we just need to find a lawyer to help us to know or, or to, to put it in play before she was gonna she was gonna call off the engagement because she thought that he was concerned that she was a gold digger that she was marrying him for his money and he just kept assuring her no 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 yeah so 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 we were able to resolve that sometimes it's small things like i i had this thing where um uh, um, how would I say it? It happens in my home, but I'm just going to say this was another couple. And that was where the husband constantly left open drawers and cupboards. Okay. And so the wife would run into them, not seeing a lower one that was opened up and she would kick it, oh. you know, or she'd hit her head and, and they did a conflict resolution. But in the mirroring, you know, the husband kind of laughed at his wife because she would slam the drawers she'd, when he would leave them open. She goes, why can't you keep these things closed? You know, but when she shared, I'm so disappointed you don't care enough to close the drawers. He goes, whoa, she feels that deeply. Then she, she talked about, I feel dishonored because part of you, what you said at our wedding is you would protect me but you won't protect me from running into drawers and running into cabinets, something that small. And he goes, whoa. So all of a sudden his integrity's on the line. When literally, when we got to the brainstorming, I'm not saying this is for everybody. He goes, babe, I'm going to close those drawers. I'm going to close those cabinets. He goes, I am so sorry. And so it's just interesting when love operates, it's just it, it everything changes, but we can become so selfish and we can look at what, what is problematic to someone else. We can look at and go, that's so petty. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that could be such a marginal item. The cabinets, you know, being left open, not a big deal. You just shut it right to, for him. He probably just doesn't see it as a big deal. But when she, he gave her the opportunity to speak openly about it, he got a whole new perspective. Yeah. So now, it's can just, I give you another one? Yeah. Okay. So so there sometimes conflict uh, is over practical things. Like there was a couple that were going to buy a house 
And they were fighting and fighting. And, and the wife knows me and she asked, you know, could I help them to resolve the complexes? I'd be glad to help. So when we did the mirroring, it was, here's what it was over. Every time they would go to look at a house, he would go, this is way too expensive. Well, this is way too expensive. And she was going nuts because she was finding some amazing homes. And like in my head, I'm going, well, did you have a range? And, and so here's what happened. They, they shared with each other their feelings and some very deep feelings of disappointment, disillusionment. We'd never find a house, anger that every time I showed you a beautiful house, you would say it was too expensive. And, uh, and it was so funny because when we got to the brainstorming and they had really heard each other out, <laughs> the wife said, you know what? You've never given me a range. I, I'm thinking, well, that would have been a good thing to do from the get-go. And, she, and, and he goes, well, I'll give you a range. And she, he told her, he, she goes, why did you never tell me that? He goes, well, you never asked. Now, now I know that sounds stupid, but this is what the enemy loves, is he loves taking something simple and just grinding at it and making it difficult. So by the time they got done, here was what they were going to do. They were going to keep looking at houses. She was going to find homes in their range that had the certain things that he wanted. He also said, you know what? We've never operated out of a budget, but I want to show you why I'm choosing that price range. He goes, because if you choose that price range, here's what I can afford a month. Well, he had never done that. And so... So this is where conflict resolution could become incredibly practical. And the things that you feel like that will, this will never happen, all of a sudden can happen. I love that. I got to share something with you yeah. that your daughter helped me to discover. And it's so in line with this because I, you know, me, I, before I was with Crystal, I was just this ride by the seat of my pants. I was a deckhand. I taught snowboarding in the mountains. I would loved adventure, right? Yeah. I still do. Yeah. And when Crystal and I got more and more serious, I would invite her into all these adventures that I had always done with buddies. Yeah. And sometimes my expectations and her expectations were off, and we couldn't quite do what I wanted to do, whether it was some crazy expedition to another country or even just a trip to the beach, to the right beach. And one day, Crystal goes, there's no adventure too small. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, no, it doesn't matter if we just go to the park down the street from our house, it can still be an adventure because I used to word, use the word adventure. <laughs> and she just helped me to open my eyes to practicing setting expectations and appreciating a situation no matter how small it is. Mm. Not everything has to be this huge critical... I, I, I just... that that line, there's no adventure too small, it sets a really great expectation for us. And I'm, not, I'm probably butchering how we really um, use that. Yeah. But in this case, you know, something so small, like just inviting each other into the thinking of we have a budget or whatever it is, and rather than just assuming that we know everything, you know what I'm getting at? Well, oh yeah. Because again, uh, in Philippians 2, it says, don't just look after your own personal interests, but at, 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 look at the interest of the other. That's love. See, if I stay in my head, like if you had just stayed in your head, this is what an adventure is, yeah. then, then all of a sudden you're missing out on the really cool adventures that are just small and doable. Mm -hmm. And so th that all goes to this thing of, I need to listen to others more. Yes. 
and, and see in conflict resolution, that's really what I'm doing. I, I'm listening to what the other person's perspective is. I'm lis- listening to the other person's brainstorming. And all of a sudden going, why did I not think of that? But here's the other thing. In, in, in marriage, there's a, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, or verse 12. And it says, two standing back to back cannot be easily defeated. Now imagine in every relationship, I, I know that the person that I'm in conflict with has my back. And I have their back. And it was a military thing. You know, the Roman soldiers, all their armor was in the front. So that concept of I've got your back, I, I'm, I'm not going to let anything wound you. From, the, from behind. Yeah, from behind. And, uh, and I'm certainly not going to do it. So really good relationships amplify strength and minimize weaknesses. What does that take? It takes interaction, mm. healthy, loving interaction. But here's the thing. In that verse, it says, and a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Okay, see, so what's that see, third when I, component? When I bring God into the center of the issue, he wants us to resolve things more than we do. This is where the brainstorming, and I, I go back to what I shared in that week on brainstorming, is uh, in James chapter 1, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously without. and without any reproach. So, so God just sits there, infinitely perfect, omniscient knows everything and he just goes you gonna ask me so just to be clear the triple braided cord the three cords are you your your other person in the relationship and god that's it that's it in other words don't just leave it to us see this is why we pray in the beginning is that god wants to give us the wisdom to resolve the issue. And he wants to reward what you just did. Because when you're mirroring, when you're in a safe environment, when you pray together, you know, God goes, that's my kids. Now I'm going to, I'm going to give them ideas they would never have otherwise. But see people who are selfish, why would God want to give creative ideas to somebody who just wants a win-lose? And that's typically where conflict goes. Yeah. So, Michael, this series, I've, I'm so glad that we've done it. And it really just takes a little bit of practice. And, uh, you know, it's those easy steps, but you don't want to leave out any of the steps. You, you want to create a safe environment. You want to make an appointment when somebody you're in conflict with somebody. You want to pray that God helps you to resolve that cl- conflict. Then you want to explore the issue by mirroring with each other what you feel and your convictions about that conflict. If you need to forgive, then ask somebody to forgive you and uh, confess what you've done wrong, but then brainstorm and, and, and let God give you great ideas. Be quiet. And it, sometimes the last ideas that will come will be the best ideas. That is so powerful. I hope we all took notes on that because that I, it's really not that hard to remember, mm-hmm. but that, that step-by-step process... Mm-hmm. It really can be so useful in so many relationships in our marriage, in our family relationships, our children, our siblings, whatever it is. It's I I am just listening to you go like kind of revisit all those steps. In one sense, I heard I could feel myself thinking about my sister, mm-hmm. my wife, my kids, my people I work with, and so I'm so grateful we did this. It's re- it's really going to help me out. I hope it helps everybody else out. <laughs> well, it certainly helped. <laughs> it me, was but... worth it just for me, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Well, Michael, man, I'm glad we're doing this series. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about, you know, uh, what we'd talk about next week. I was just going to ask. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing, um, you know, in relationships. Um, what do we do when someone close to us suffers? I know this is a tough topic, but suffering is, is an experience that we go through in life. And uh, in relationships, no one wants to suffer alone. But how can I be a good friend to somebody suffering? Wow. Okay, yeah. that'll be Yeah, real, real uh, light topic. But um, honestly, uh, Michael, it's, it's the nature of, of the work I do. It's the nature of, of knowing a lot of people is, uh, and my own life experience. And uh, there are people that, that do it well, and there are people that really are, end, end up injuring more. So I look forward to this topic. That'll be a cool subject to get into. And I just want to let everyone who's listening know that you are welcome to reach out to us. Mm. We have an email address. It's relationshipbythebook at outlook.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. Just search Relationship by the Book, and you should be able to find us. And so if anyone has any questions, comments, suggestions, we or, welcome it. Or I could send them this conflict resolution process. I'll just email it to them. Yeah. If you want a, a copy of Eric's notes, we have those available. And so we're just doing our best here to provide good intel. And um, we would love some feedback and some suggestions and questions. And so please reach out to us. Hey, this has been great, Michael. All right. Thank you guys. <laughs>